Welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message. So there's this guy who was really rich. He's very wealthy. And he started getting frustrated because he was think- as he was getting older, he was thinking about dying. And he was frustrated because he didn't think he could bring anything with him to heaven. He was going to have to leave his wealth here on earth. So he began to pray that God might, like, allow him to take some of his wealth with him. It was very precious to him. And so an angel hears his plea and actually appears to him and says, sorry, um, this, this, th- that's not how this works. <laughs> you, can't, you can't bring your wealth with you to heaven. And so the man just implores the angel, would you please just like, like speak to God and see if he might somehow bend the rules. And so the man continues to pray that his wealth could follow him to heaven and the angel reappears and informs him that yes, indeed, God has decided to allow him to take one suitcase with him to heaven. Overjoyed, the man gathers his largest suitcase and all his stuff. He gets, actually fills it with pure gold bars. And he sets it beside his bed. And soon after this, he was very old, he, he dies and shows up at the gates of heaven. And there is St. Peter to greet him. And as St. Peter greets him, he's like, hold on, you can't bring that in here. And he's like, no, 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 I, I, I have a special dispensation. Like, I've got special permission. You can verify it. And so Peter goes and tries to get it checked out, and he comes back, and he says, you're right. You have been allowed one carry-on bag. But I'm supposed to check its contents. So would you please open up the suitcase for me? The guy opens it up, and Peter looks at him and is like, you brought pavement? <laughs> Some of you over lunch will get that, and it'll like. <laughs> <laughs> but the story is good, right? Like, 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 I heard a guy say one time, you know, a real rich guy died, and they said, how much did he leave? And the guy said, all of it. But there is a way, there is a way that somehow we store up treasure in heaven. And the question for you and I today is, what treasure will you take to heaven? We're in the middle of our annual series where we focus on leaving a legacy, and it's called All That Matters. Because the truth is, there's a lot of things that don't really matter that we spend our time and energy and effort on. I mean, things like your favorite Netflix series, it's not as important as you think it is. Your social media posts, eh, most of them aren't very important. Some of you should post less. There's, I I mean, some of you are really hung up on football right now. It's not worth it. I mean, the Broncos stink. (laughs) UT is not going to go to any playoffs, people. 
Sorry. But here's the thing. There are things that really do matter. Things that really matter. That we should, these things that we should do, and these things are called legacy. And legacy is defined as living a life that lives beyond me. Living a life that lives beyond me. Living a life that goes beyond just what I enjoy. Living a life that shares what I have with others. And we all experience this gravitational pull towards selfishness and towards things that don't matter. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is writing in our theme verse for this series. And he's writing to his young son in the faith, Timothy, who is a pastor. And in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, he says, Command those who are rich in this present world. I want you to underline those words there in your message notes. In this present world. Everybody say it. In this present world. Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good. So in other words, you, you, you should have joy in the stuff that God gives you, but you should do good with it, and you should be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. I want you to underline that too. For the coming age so that they may be, they may take hold, check this out, they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Paul says to Timothy, command those who are rich, that's all of us. You may not feel like you're rich, but you are. You're in the top 1% of the world's richest people, most of you, just about all of you. And, and so he says, be generous, be willing to share if you're, if you're rich like this. Lay up treasure, not just for here, but for the coming age. He says, in this present world. So that means there's another world. In this present world means there's another world. And in the coming age, that means there's another age to come. And you've got to get this. Paul introduces a topic here that Jesus uses and the New Testament uses all through the Scripture. And it's the main motivation. Everybody say motivation. motivation. The main motivation for making a difference in this world. You know what that word is? That main motivation, it's heaven. Yeah. <coughs> it's heaven. See, you're not going to spend the vast majority of your life on this side. Right. Just think about this. You're not going to spend the vast majority of your life, Aunt Jansen, come on up. You're not going to spend the vast majority of your life on this side of heaven, you're going to spend the vast majority of your life in eternity. Let's pretend that this is eternity. All the way, all, all the way, and infinitely that way, and infinitely that way, beyond Chelsea and beyond Jansen, who are doing a great job. <laughs> They're upholding eternity. But it goes infinitely that way, and infinitely that way, and here's your life. Here it is. Here, here's this little nice space. There it is. There's your 70, 80, maybe 90 years. 
you're going to spend the vast majority of it in eternity. The vast majority of your life beyond this location. And you've got to get that. You've got to see that. This is a main motivation for us. Thank you, guys. Just give them a little hand. Paul says this is the main motivation, understanding this dynamic. Main motivation for being generous, for doing good, for being rich in good deeds. Because what we do matters, not just here, because it does matter here, but it also matters in eternity. Like, that's a significant idea. The truth is, though, heaven's got kind of a bit of a bad rap. You ask a bunch of people, like, would you rather go to heaven or stay here? And a bunch of people would like, like, oh, stay here. I like this. I got a nice house. I got a nice car. Got a Tesla. It's awesome. But it's because, here's the problem. It's because they don't really understand what heaven is. They don't really understand what it really is. They think, they, they kind of see heaven as, we're just going to be up there kind of playing harps. And we'll be like, uh, you know, floating on clouds. And, and there, there'll be like, we're listening to choirs. And, and you'll be like a fat baby cherub with wings. <laughs> People, this doesn't sound like heaven to me. It sounds like hell. <laughs> like, this does not sound attractive to me. I think we have the wrong idea of heaven. Heaven is an incredible place. It is an incredible idea, and you want to be there. In fact, whenever we do funerals, we will almost always say about the person who has died is if they know Jesus, they're on their way to, in some way to heaven, and there's a, there's a place there. If they, if they could come back, they wouldn't want to. It's an incredibly glorious place in the presence of God that he's prepared for us. And I want you to think about, what I want you to think about today that is there is more to life than this life. There's more to life than this life. But in all our culture, we seem to think about, all we think about is the now, right now. I want it now. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you know that really spoiled girl? I want it now. She's, she's annoying, really annoying. One of the most annoying characters in the movie, right? I want it now. I want what? Give it to me now. We all kind of tend to gravitate to this idea, instant access to information, to goods, to services. We all want it now. If our web page doesn't load fast enough, we're like... If our Amazon package does not arrive on the day that they said it would arrive. In fact, we, we actually have hashtags for this. Like we celebrate living in the moment, right? You might remember this hashtag from a few years ago. It was, it was made popular by the rapper Drake, right? It was YOLO. What is YOLO? Some of you are like, what? What does that mean? It means you only live once. You only live once. It sounds kind of cool, right? It's fun. You only live once, so you got to do everything. Makes you adventurous. You're just like, yeah, this is cool. But here's the problem. You don't just live once. You don't just live once. Actually, it's not helpful, really, to think about just living life in the now. So I'm starting a new hashtag today. New hashtag. Here it is. Ready? (laughs) Yolt. (laughs) Yolt. (laughs) You you only live twice. (laughs) 
You only live twice. Because <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's true. Paul is saying there's another age. Check it out. Paul's saying there's another age, another world. This isn't all there is. And if you think you only live once, you live in a certain way. You live a little more recklessly. You might not take care of things. You, you wouldn't care much about the future. But really, we should live with the understanding that you actually live twice. This is exactly what Jesus says in the scripture about living twice. <laughs> you only live once? Just kidding. Be right back. He lived, tw- some of you are looking at this, your faces are like so funnier than that. You're like, what is this? <laughs> the author of Hebrews says it like this. In chapter 9, verse 27, he says, just as people are destined to die once. Wow, that's interesting. And after that, to face judgment. Everybody say Judgment. Exactly, judgment. We don't really like to think about that, but the truth is, everybody here has a death date. Hooray! (laughs) Nothing but good news at one chapel today. (laughs) This judgment day is coming for everybody. It's coming for you, it's coming for me. And when it does, we'll all face the judgment. In fact, there are two judgments. There are actually two judgments. Judgments. The first one is called the Great White Throne Judgment. You can just write that in your, in your, in your kind of margin on your message notes if you want to study more about it. The Great White Throne Judgment, and this is where you stand face to face with God, and He'll ask you a question. And the question He's going to ask, I don't know what exactly what it'll all look like. No, no biblical scholars really know exactly what it'll look like, but we'll have our day standing before God, our day in court, and we'll stand there, and He's not going to ask you about your sin. He's not going to ask you um, all these questions about the stuff you did wrong. He's not going to ask you of how, how many Bible verses you memorized. He's not going to ask you how many times you came to one chapel or how often you came to church. He won't ask you any of, those, any of these things. He will ask you this first question, and that one question is, what did you do with my son, Jesus? Yeah. What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with my son, Jesus? Because he came, he paid the price for all this stuff you did and even the stuff you didn't do and should have done. He died on a cross. He gave his grace. He gave everything. He took your sins and the sins of the whole world upon himself. It was free. You couldn't earn this grace. You couldn't earn this salvation. He gave his life for you. What did you do with it? What did you do with it? You're going to want to say... You're going to want to say, oh, I received it. I embraced it. And I gave my life back to him in return. That's what you're going to want to say. And by the way, you don't have to have lived your life perfectly to have that answer. That's right. It's the recognition you can't live your life perfectly that leads you to that answer. That's right. So it's not about living perfect. You're going to want to say that, and then God's going to say, that's the right answer. Come on in. But then a lot of people don't realize there's a second judgment that the Bible indicates 
in Scripture there's where God talks about the life you lived here, and it won't determine your heaven or hell. It won't, it won't determine that, but it'll determine what your heaven is like. It'll determine what your heaven is like. And that second question is, what did you do with your life? What did you do with your life? This is called the judgment seat of Christ. And, he, and, and Jesus talks about it more than anybody else. Here's Paul talking about it in 2 Corinthians 5.10. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Here's how Jesus talks about it in Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. So he says, here's what Jesus says, I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to pay you back. For ev- Listen, for every person who's back here teaching kids today, Jesus is watching. He sees it. For the people who showed up early and made coffee today, right, Jesus noticed. For the group leaders that gather people in their home and, 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 and create community and, and, and share the scriptures and, sh- and share love with each other, Jesus is keeping a record of that. Yeah. He sees that. For the people who set up and tear down today at one chapel, they have special blessings But listen, listen, Jesus is preparing a reward for all people who will give of themselves. The people around the world who are giving themselves, the missionaries who are taking the gospel into other countries and other places where it doesn't exist. Jesus sees all that. And he sees how you serve and he sees how you live and he says, I'm going to pay you back. And we'll say, no, 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 I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not worthy of it. I'm not, I'm not worth it. And he says, too bad, my world, my way, this is how it works. I'm paying you back. Because he wants to do this. Because he loves to do this. Jesus talks about this as motivation. Motivation for you and for me. Because there's a, another age that's coming a new heaven and a new earth where God, where Jesus himself will put everything to rights, make it right. And if people don't believe in this coming age, they got to get all they can now. They got to do all they can now. And that's what leads to revenge because they don't believe there's going to be a judge who's going to evaluate people so they take it upon themselves to be the judge. Do you see the problem? You think differently, you live differently if you don't understand this. This is such an important idea in the Bible that there's a concluding thought in the last book of the Bible, in the last chapter, Revelation 22, 12, it says, look, Jesus says, I am coming soon and my reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. He says, I'm coming quicker than you think. And when I come, I'm bringing my reward and I can't wait to share what I've got with you. And listen, I have, as your pastor, I have a responsibility to help prepare you for that moment. That moment when you stand there. I want you to think about that. And here are some ways of thinking. How should I think about my life? Here's a few ways. Here's a way of thinking. 
I'm just passing through. This is not my permanent home. This, this, is, this is not a place where I'm just going to be here and then disappear. No, we're passing through. The Bible calls us aliens and strangers and talks about what is seen, how temporary it is, and how what is unseen is eternal. And it's an important concept to remind ourselves not to settle for just what's here. Not to settle for just what is happening all around us in this moment. The Bible kind of has harsh language for people who believe it's all about here and now. Paul talks about him in Philippians 3.18. He says, for as I have often told you before and now even tell you with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul is describing people who only live for the now, for what they want. In other words, their minds are all in the wrong place. It's only here on earthly things, but he's saying our citizenship is somewhere else. Now listen, I'm proud to be an American citizen. I do think that there are incredible benefits to being an American citizen as we live in this world. But if you don't understand that you have a higher citizenship, you will continue to get bent out of shape over everything going on here. And it's not that the things that are going on here aren't important. I mean, I'm all, listen, as a Christian, as a Christian who lives in America, I think you have the, I think you have the responsibility to pray for those who are in authority over you. That's what Paul says to Timothy. And by the way, when he was writing those words to Timothy, he was talking about a terrorizing ruler, not somebody duly elected. You and I have the responsibility as Christians to pray for our leaders and to vote because we can. You should vote. Don't act like it doesn't matter. It does matter. It's something about your responsibility here. And a bunch of you should run for office. You should run for office. You should run for the school board. You should run for any position where you believe God's giving you influence. We've abdicated a lot of that, and we're experiencing the, the problems of not being involved. But here's the thing. If you don't believe you have a higher citizenship, you may not do it because it's painful, because it's difficult, because it's challenging. And don't run for yourself. Don't, don't, don't just vote for yourself. Realize that God has a, another purpose, a higher, a coming age, an eternity that is living in the balance for all these things we're deciding as a culture. And, 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 and here's the thing. It's pretty tough. The problem here is if you're having a rough time, then yes, just passing through seems right. Like, I'm just passing through. I just want to get to the other side. But the problem for some of us is we're enjoying life way too much right now. And so we're not willing to think about this other citizenship as the primary thing that drives us. Another way to think about this is my time on earth is short. My time on earth is short. There's a lot of language in Scripture that tells us it's short. And so, so many people, they don't... Like, we, we don't feel like it's true. Like, it just feels so long. But listen, I'm getting to the age where I can feel it. It's like time is speeding up. 
Have you ever, you ever, you ever felt like that? Like, like, like when you're young, it feels like you have a lot of time and it goes so slow. But as you get older, like I remember holding my first baby, Zachary Par- Pastor Zachary Parsley. <laughs> He's 25 years old, and just recently he had a baby, and I'm holding his baby, Georgia May Wild. Check her out. Is that the most beautiful picture you've ever seen? Oh my gosh! And I, I was holding her. I was like. Oh my gosh, how did I get here? <laughs> how am I holding this little child who's a child of my child? <laughs> Time is short. You need to remember that. Psalm 62, 9 says, Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a life, weighed in the balance. They are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Everybody say breath. <sighs> it's over. Doesn't matter if you're wealthy or if you're poor. Your life is quick. Psalm 90:12 says, Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. Listen, there needs to be an urgency with how we're living this life because those who think they have a long time, they spend unwisely. You ever put off studying for the test because it was a long way away? Always got you in trouble. Yeah. No. <laughs> never. But if you, ha- if you have a short time, what happens? You got to get moving. We don't, ha- we don't have long. We got to make, sure make sure this is happening. You got to think with urgency. Another way to think is I must make the most of every opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. Opportunity. Look, the truth is this life is a test. This life is a test. You won't get opportunities to help people on the other side. That's too late. Now is the time. It's really important that you look around now. Most of us are just looking down. Like we don't see the people at work. We don't, we're not thinking about our family and we're not thinking about these things because we, we got myopia. We got like a tunnel vision and we're just like focused on what we want. But we got ha- to understand we have the opportunity. There are so many opportunities in this life. Look at this scripture. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but is wise, making the most, everybody say the most, the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now look at that word opportunity. It actually has a unique meaning. It's, in the Greek, it's the word kairos, not chronos. Chronos would be, chronometer would be, would be actual time that you would study the time. Kairos is a different word, and it speaks of opportunities. It speaks of a window of time, a window of time. Like you have a window of time and you'll see windows of opportunity open and then they'll close. They'll open and then they'll close. Listen, there's bad stuff happening all around us, people. Yeah. You're going to have opportunities and then, and then it'll close. Right. You got to understand that that's what life is about. That's how it works. And everything we do here matters, not just for here, but for there. And once you get that, it's gonna, you, it'll change the way you think. And that's second judgment. Listen, make sure you don't confuse these two judgments. The first one is simply about what you did with Jesus. And if, what, what, no matter what happened in your life, you received Jesus. You follow Jesus. You embrace Jesus. You allow him to live his life through you. Listen, that's, that's going to be a good day for you. But there's this other test. The second question is referenced in 1 Corinthians 3.13. It says, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal 
what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will test everything. Passing from here to there, it's like there's a fire that will test what you've done here. What kind of life you've had. What kind of life you've made. What kind of church we made. What kind of church are we? What kind of community have we created? What have we decided to do with what God's given us? Like this is the point. What, do we use our resources for the gospel? Do we use our resources for missions? Do we, did we actually make an investment that has eternity in mind? The fire is going to show what really had value. And so what really matters is eternity. So the, qu- the question then should be, what should I do with my life? Let me give you three quick practical ideas for your life. Number one, look up and not down. Stop looking down. Look up. Look up. Keep your eyes on God, on eternity, on heaven, not here on the earth. If you get enamored with your job and with your kids, listen, your kids are important. Your kids are your best chance for discipleship. They will turn out like you in more ways than you want them to. But if you get enamored with your kids and put them in an idolatrous place in your life, that's what happens. Everything becomes about the kids, and that's how the marriages fall apart. Listen, if you get so enamored with your career arc, if you get so enamored with everything that you're doing, and you lose perspective you're going to be in trouble. Look at what Paul says in Colossians 3, 1 through 4. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You've got to look up, not down. Go through life looking there, not here. Think about your actions and your activities in light of the fire that will test them. Think through these problems and issues that you're dealing with today. Listen, for those of you who are struggling, I understand. I, 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 I know this is sometimes, this sort of has a sense at which you could like interpret what I'm saying as if what you're going through doesn't matter. It's not true. Right. What you're going through does matter and how you handle it, how you walk through it with faith, with courage, with grace, with God's grace, leaning on Him, surrendering to Him, that has profound, a profound impact on your future. Yeah. And it's so important that you understand redemption is on its way. He's coming. Look up to Him. Look at Him. Look ahead to what's coming. Number two, give up stuff here for something better there. Give up stuff here for something better there. Now, this is the part that's really hard because you guys are all, you guys all have a house full of stuff. And the stuff you want to give up is not the stuff he's talking about. (laughs) You want to get rid of all your clothes in the closet and take them to Goodwill. That's awesome. Do that. You should. Clean out your closet. But he's talking about something more meaningful here. If all that matters is eternity as we live our lives here, we have to do this. And this is a good life principle, all right, that works here on the earth, right? So let me demonstrate. If I want a six-pack, then I have to stop eating cookies. Sadly, I just love cookies. And, uh, and, and you got you to gotta give up one for the other. Sadly, I've given up. I've given up working out. 
And it's not like I don't have a six-pack under there. It's just, it's just deeper. The cookie sits on top of it. That's right. But you have to give one up. You can't have, you can't have both. There's like you have to give up something to get something else. If I want to retire, if I want to retire well, what do I have to do? I have to save something today. I have to save. I can't like just keep putting it off. I have to give up something here today to save something for later. This is the principle that's so hard for every one of us as Americans. It's so challenging. But it's not just a great principle here. It's also a brilliant, amazing principle to understand as a Christian. That what you invest in here has an implication for there. Matthew 6, 19 says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And notice this last phrase. Look at it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. That means your desires move, gravitate towards what you value most. Your desires move towards what you think is treasurable. Is that a word? I think it's not a word. But, but, but there is, there's, a, there's a treasure that you have in your mind, and your, your desires are going to gravitate to it. And so we could all, I mean, every, everybody's going to look at their own life. There's going to be that judgment day, and you'll see what you gravitated to most. And I think it's so significant. Some of you are here, and you're wondering why your relationship doesn't seem, your relationship with God doesn't seem as strong or, or isn't like the others around you. Could it be that you've become consumed with what's here instead of what's there? Let your heart gravitate to Jesus. Give up some of the stuff here for something better there. And finally, number three, step up and make a difference. Look up, give up, and step up to make a difference. In other words, decide. Everybody say decide. Making a difference doesn't happen automatically. Like you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a plan for giving financially. You've got to have a plan for serving others. You've got you to have a plan for which feature presentation you're going to invite your friend to. Oh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that one yet. Huh? Okay, here it is. Make your plan. You and I have to decide we're going to live for what is eternal. And I want to share three ideas through the holidays. As we ramp up towards the holidays, you need to share your resources. Share my resources. I want to share what I have, what God's given me, and I'm going to intentionally give. And, and, and when, I, when I say that, I want you to think about a couple of things. Number one is the, the, um, the legacy offering that we do. It's our only special offering one time a year. And, it, and we give towards taking one giant step as one chapel. Like it pushes us forward in vision. It pushes us forward with what, what we need to do to, to, to plant another campus, to buy another building, to do what God's called us to do in this city. And so that's this thing. And we tell you six weeks out, right? Because so you can plan, so you can pray. I only, I don't want to, I don't want to try to manipulate you. You and I, called by God together as a community, you and I have to decide what we're going to do, each of us, to make an investment. And all I want you to do is pray and then do what God tells you to do. Yeah. 
It doesn't matter how much that is. Whatever he says to you, that's what you're responsible for. And that's the, that's the blessing of giving. That's the blessing of being in a family. And so I want you to see that because here's the truth. Here's the truth, one chapel. I want you to understand that I have a desire for you as your pastor. Because I know what is going to matter, right? Like, like I know it's going to matter for you in this life with your kids. I know it's going to matter in eternity. And I want to teach you how to be a giver. Because Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And there's something about it. And I want you to be a giver that does three things. I want you to be a priority, percentage, and a progressive giver. These are things. Now, what is it? Well, this, is a, this is a lot of giving stuff, Pastor Ross. Well, I believe in this. When you give to God first, it is something that establishes your faith and your trust in Him as the provider for your life. And when you become a percentage giver, the Bible kind of uses the standard of 10%. And some of you are like, what? 10%? I could never give 10% because I can't imagine giving that much. Listen, start with 1%. Go to 2%. God's not hung up on the percentage. Just become a consistent percentage giver because it's part of your life. Instead of spending it all on yourself, invest in something that is eternal. And I think that's a big deal. We're trying to take a giant step forward. As I said to you during the offering, we are made, we've made an offer on a building. I'm going to tell you about it here as we come up in the next month or two. And I want you to really be willing to share your resources. I think you've got to share your time too. And you've got to take time to be with people. You've got to take time to take something over to your neighbor's house. You've got to take time to share something with, you, with them. That's why we've given you acts of kindness cards. There's a whole bunch of them still out here in the lobby. Stacks of them out here. You just go out and take a few. And you do something nice for your, for your coworkers. Do something nice. Spend time investing in them. As we ramp up for the holidays, pay for somebody's movie who's standing in line behind you. Just do it because you're, you're a giver and you love God and you love people. And you're just trying to make other people's lives better. And everybody knows you can't afford movies in, at Christmas time. <laughs> and finally, share Jesus. Share Jesus. Now, I don't put the pressure on you to bring people to church very often, but we do something called two out of 52. Everybody say it. Two out of 52. 50 Sundays a year, you can come to church, you can worship God, but two Sundays a year, you ought to feel the pain, the struggle, the concern of bringing somebody to church. It's like, oh, is it going to be okay? Is it going to be weird? Pastor Ross, don't screw it up. Oh, don't sing that weird song. Oh, whatever. Like, like, like here's, and here's why. Listen, and here's why we do feature presentation. It's the, like it's, the, it's the shallow end of the pool. Feature presentation, here's what it is. People often hear the gospel message better, the story, God's story, better through a story they already know. Jesus did it. They were called parables, the stories that everybody already kind of knows, and yet he's describing the kingdom through them. They were very agricultural in his day because that's what they knew. But we're taking movies, which is the best storytelling of our day, and we're sharing the story of God through those movies. And if you'll, if you'll do something, if you'll take a risk, if you'll put yourself out there and bring somebody to church that day, and you'll sit there, and as it's happening, you will pray more than you ever have prayed. 
Right? You usually come to church and you're just kind of like, yeah, that's a good song. No, that day you'll be like, oh, God, help me. <laughs> help this person. And then when there's an encounter, when, when, when there's a moment of prayer and you can sense something's happening in the person next to you, you'll sense eternity. That's what you have to see. You have to believe that it's worth it. And so I want you to take this opportunity because, listen, you'll never miss the money you wasted. <laughs> you'll never miss the, the money you let your brother-in-law borrow and he never paid back. Right? You, there's, there's, this, there's this thing. There's this window of opportunity that we all have to see, that we all have to get, that we're living. God matters, people matters, eternity matters. Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9 and 11. See you next time.